This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Well, good morning, River Church. I love you guys. I miss you. I hope you're doing well. Um, I can't wait to be back together, and hopefully that will be very soon. Uh, But before we jump in today, I have a few quick things uh, that I want to mention. Number one, next week is Mother's Day, and we have some really cool ideas planned, some really cool things that we're working on, and I think you're going to love it, really enjoy it. Uh, So make sure you tune in and don't miss it. Uh, We think it's going to be awesome. Secondly, I need to brag on you guys today. Last week, I mentioned that we wanted to help make masks for Cook's Children's Hospital, and you guys responded so well and so quickly that in less than a week, we were able to donate over 200 masks that you guys helped make, Uh, and we were able to give those to the staff and patients there at Cook's Children's, and you guys are awesome awesome. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for responding so generously and so well. And uh, I promise that we'll keep you guys updated with more ways that we can serve our community uh, just with everything going on right now. And uh, lastly, if you're new here with us today, if there's anything we can do for you, or maybe there's a way that we can be praying for you today, make sure you fill out that digital communication card that you see linked in the video uh, just to help us love and serve you uh, well today. All right. Um, So we are in week three of our series, Into the Night, that's all about thriving in the valley. Week one, we talked about Job's bad day and how God revealed himself in it. Week two, we looked at the exile of Israel and God told them how to live day by day in the valley until his faithfulness was able to bring them back home. Today and week three, we're going to take a look at some of the valleys in King David's life. Uh, You know, David's life is one of the most interesting stories in the Bible. He's one of the most well-known people in the Bible. And what's so cool about David is he seemed to have this really unique relationship with God. We, We see his incredible successes, but we also see some major failures in his life. We see him repent and come back to God. We see him get restored, uh, to God. And one of the things that David is really most known for is this just incredible honesty that he has with God, specifically in the Psalms. Uh, David wrote a lot of the Psalms, which is a book in the Bible. Uh, It's books that are kind of, in in them are laments, they're uh, a lot of praise, a lot of prayers to God, and, and really... You can kind of think of it as like David's personal journal, you know, um, and, and it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because we think of David as this warrior king, this alpha male, just dude, uh, who also happens to play the harp and journaled. So he is a really interesting guy. Um, and in week one, we actually use one of the Psalms that he wrote, uh, Psalm 23, as kind of our theme verse for the day. Uh, today, I want to read you a few different Psalms that he wrote. And we'll start off with this, this first one. We'll see his honesty to God in Psalm uh, 13. He says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer me, Lord, my God, restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. You, you see that just 
honesty from David to God, right? Like this is why we like David. Like, this is why we love him because he has this closeness with God, but he's so raw and honest, even in the struggle, right? Sometimes maybe we have a hard time talking to God like that. And we, we look at David and we go, wow, man, like I, I can, I can be that honest. I can be that transparent with God. You know, Last week, I mentioned that it's okay for us to mourn things that we've lost in the valley, that when, when the valleys of life change our lives and they take things from our lives, it's okay to grieve that loss, right? Grief and grieving well is healthy. Today, I would say, as we look at David, I want you to know it's okay to ask God why questions in the valley. Right. Look at look at what David just asked God. He said, God, how long, which is, you know, that's a question that we're all kind of asking right now. But David's asking, God, how long are you going to forget me? How long are you going to hide your face from me? God, how long will I be anxious? God, how long are my enemies going to dominate me? Right. And it's okay to ask those why questions. Right. But uh, in the why, we still need to trust in God's faithfulness. Like, I actually left out part of that verse. The last, the last verse in that psalm, uh, here's what David says. He asks all those why questions. God, how long will I be alone? How long is this going to last? How long? How long? But, but then he finishes it with this in verse 5. He says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance, and I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. David says, God, I have all these questions. I'm so confused and frustrated, and my world is spinning around me, but I still trust you because you've always been generous to me. And and I would say, we look at David, and and we live in this pandemic, in this season of fear, maybe down the road one day, another valley in life. You see David's trust, and we, we ask how, how can I display that kind of trust for God in my own life while I'm waiting for the answers, right? David doesn't know all the answers. How, how do I display that kind of trust in my life for God when I don't know all the answers? And to answer that question, I want to actually read you another psalm that David wrote. But, but before I even do that, I want to give you some context on it. So we mostly know David, right, because he killed the giant, right? Goliath, he slings the stone, knocks him out, kills him. It's this great triumph, and and it's an awesome story. But that's not the end of David's story. He has, again, these incredible highs in his life and these devastating lows in his life. And after he kills, you know, Goliath, the giant, King Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, he brings David into his household. And David is like a hero, right? He gets treated like a hero and he becomes really close to King Saul for a while for for several reasons. One of those is that harp that I mentioned. Uh, Saul has insomnia. And so uh, he a lot of times he has a hard time falling asleep at night. And so King David, or David, excuse me, will come in and he'll actually play the harp for Saul and it helps Saul to fall asleep. And so so they become kind of close in this season. And then as all this is going on, David becomes best friends with King Saul's son, Jonathan. So he's got this closest with the king. He's best friends with his son. And then on top of that, he actually marries King Saul's daughter. And so And then with all of this happening, David begins to rise up in the ranks 
and becomes in charge of a large part of the army where he begins to have victory after victory over Israel's enemies. And the nation of Israel love him for this. So you've got the giant slayer living in the king's household, best friends with the prince, married to a princess, successful leader of the army. Like this is the life, right? David is living the dream. Like his life is almost as good as my life, right? Like things are going well for David. But then something happens. Something that sadly in life we're all too familiar with. Sin and jealousy start to creep in and they they start to creep into King Saul's heart. And so he sees David and begins to look at him not as a friend, but as an enemy, someone who might try to take his throne from him. And so he sees how the people of the, their country love David and Saul begins to hate David. And so he starts to plot on how to kill him. And as a matter of fact, he tries to kill him a couple times. One time, David's playing the harp for him and Saul grabs a sphere and throws the spear at him trying to, trying to kill him. And then he, he actually orders Jonathan, again, David's best friend, orders Jonathan to kill David. But instead, Jonathan defends David and he even helps him secretly escape the palace to go into hiding. Like, I'm telling you, this is a crazy story. This would be a hit movie, right? This stuff is, is nuts, right? So all this happens, and then David goes on the run. He hides in what's essentially a church. He lives with some of Israel's enemies for a while. So these own guys that he was fighting against, now he's living with them, right? Kind of the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. And then towards the end of all this, he collects a little bit of an army and they, they kind of go around and do some things. But, but at one point, while all this is going on, David is literally hiding in a cave. So he's got no idea what tomorrow's going to look like, how he got there. Again, he did nothing wrong. All he's been is faithful to God, generous and loving to the king who hates him. He's lost his wife, his best friend, his status. He's, and he's hiding in this cave as he writes these incredible words in Psalm 142. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord and I plead to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. And I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from this prison so I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you have dealt generously with me. Now, what do we see in this psalm? We see pain. We see fear. We see honesty again. We see weakness. We see a cry for help. But in all of it, we also see trust. Just like in that psalm before, there's this honest lament of frustration, but the overall tone and the finality of it is a trust in God's faithfulness. Do you hear that? He says, you are my shelter, my portion. You deal generously with me. And it's like David always comes back to this confidence and trust in God. How do we, how do, we do that? How do we live in that, right? So in this valley in the pain and asking why and our honesty with God, 
How do we display and live in this kind of trust, even when we don't know what's going to happen? You know, I think really the first thing we have to do, if we're going to display this trust in God in our lives, is we've got to learn to wait well. And, you know, I, I, I hate waiting, right? Like, I, I will drive different routes home so that I can avoid all the traffic lights just so I don't have to wait, right? Just so I don't have to wait. I'll, I'll drive around and take the long way so I don't have to wait at the stinking traffic light because I hate them so much, right? Uh, and, and it feels like that's all we're doing right now, right? We're waiting for things to reopen. We're waiting for church buildings to be open. Maybe you're waiting on a stimulus check. Uh, maybe you're waiting for certain items to be available at the grocery store. I'm waiting on sports to come back. I'm so grateful for the MJ documentary that's been playing on Sunday nights because uh, finally that's some semblance of sports. And by the way, MJ's the GOAT. And if you disagree with that, you're wrong. Don't at me. Don't email me. Just know you're wrong, okay? Um, but it feels like that's all we're doing right now, right? We're just, we're waiting. And David is also in the situation where he's waiting. And, and by the way, the waiting for David is going to last years. He's going to go on the run for years, not weeks, years. And in a situation where he's done nothing wrong, where he's had all these things taken from him, he doesn't know what the outcome's going to be, so he waits. He asks God for help, right? That's what we need to be doing, asking God for help. I mean, he earnestly asks God for help, but he also trusts in God enough to wait on the answer. And maybe you, you might think, well, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm doing that. What do you mean by wait? Well, I, I am waiting, but there's a difference in waiting well and waiting poorly, okay? When I uh, was in college, I worked at Starbucks for a few years, and we had all different types of customers, all right? Um, we had very impatient customers who, you know, while you're making their drink, they're sitting there right next to the bar looking at you, giving you the side eye, checking their watch, and you're like, all right, Karen, it's going to take a while to make your stinking, you know, no foam, half-calf, decaf, whatever latte, all right? Give me a second. I'm, you know, I'm still a little bitter. God's still working some things out there, right? You have that kind of customer, and then you have the other kind of customer that maybe they're talking to you while you're making their drink, or they're checking, hey, how's your, how's your day going, right? These people that you actually build relationships with, right? There's two very different uh, experiences there. Like, you're waiting on the same thing, two people waiting on the same thing, vastly different experiences. One is miserable for both you and everybody around you, the other actually is good for everyone around you as well. Like it's good for both of you. And, you know, I know there's a huge difference between waiting at Starbucks and waiting for a pandemic to end or other crazy valleys that we face in life. But I still think we can wait well because I think waiting well means waiting with confidence, I, confidence in God. I think waiting well means we trust in God's nature, uh, that God is good, that he's faithful, that he'll provide for you. I think it's trusting, like David says in his psalm, God, I'm, you know, I'm frustrated. I don't know how all this is going to end, but I know you're my shelter. I know you're my portion. I'm going to trust in you to provide. And I'm not saying that we can't have doubts or ever worry. Again, if you read David's writings, there's moments of absolute distress and even fear but he's always able to come back to that central place of trust and faith, right? And so when we don't know the answer, when we don't know the outcome, when all we can do is wait, we've got to do our best to wait well. 
right? We've got to do our best to wait well because we trust in God. And, and, and when we can't see, we trust in him to lead the way. Secondly, I think we display trust in God in the valley by not forcing our way in the situation. Here's what I mean by that. While, while David is hiding out in this cave that we're talking about, something interesting happens. Somebody betrays him. And so someone tells King Saul where David's hiding. So Saul gathers 3,000 men, gets 3,000 men to go find this one guy, gets 3,000 men. They go to find David. And while they're searching for David, at one point, Saul goes into one of these caves by himself, not knowing that David is in that very cave with him. The reason why Saul was there by himself is because he had to use the bathroom. So he goes in there, he's using the restroom. He's in this very compromised position, as you can imagine. And David is literally next to him with a sword and Saul has no idea, right? Now, what would you do in that situation? You're probably at home thinking like, get him, right? And but David doesn't do that. Instead of killing Saul, David actually cuts off a little piece of his robe and later shows Saul, hey, I could have killed you, but I didn't. I want you to know that I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to kill you. I could have, but I didn't. As a matter of fact, this doesn't just happen once, but there's two times while David is on the run from Saul that he has an opportunity to kill him, and he doesn't. Why, right? Saul is evil, right? David has done nothing but be good to Saul, and Saul has taken away everything that David loves, and here's like his, his whole life. David's done nothing to do it, and in one swipe of the sword, David could have killed Saul, returned back even as the king, right? Gone back to his family and friends and everything he loves. Like, if, if that's me in that situation, and maybe you're thinking like me, like I'm going, God, thank you for delivering my enemy into my hands. Let's do this, Right? But that's not what David does. Why? Because he knows it's wrong. Because he knows he doesn't have to take shortcuts. Because he has a God who's faithful. And so he trusts in God. He puts his faith in God. Not, not, not you know, taking shortcuts or cheating his way in the situation, which, again, would have been easy to justify, right? Like nobody's blaming him for that, right? Nobody, like we'd be cheering him on, you know, get him, kill him, get him, right? But David says, I'm going to wait on the Lord to deliver me. I'm not going to do evil to force a situation in my favor. I'm going to wait on the Lord to deliver me. And I I know that, you know, we don't always, I'm not saying you're going to kill somebody or cut a corner that way or cheat or lie. But there's shortcuts that we take that we know aren't God's will for our lives. Um, and, 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 and I'm not saying, again, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to think I'm saying, well, so just sit around and wait on like some genie in the bottle of God to poof, come in here and, and save me. Like, I'm, no, I'm not. You know, there's, uh, as a matter of fact, I think a lot of times God gives us opportunities. You know, there's an old preacher joke that you've probably heard me tell before that I love. And it's this story of uh, there's a flood coming. And so this guy's praying, God, protect me from the flood. And so people come by and he's sitting on his porch and like, hey, you probably need to get out of here. A flood's coming. You know, you can hop in the car with us and ride if you want. He says, no, 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 God's, God's going to protect me. So the flood waters start to rise and uh, he's sitting there and like it's they're up so high that people are on a boat like they can now drive on a boat on a street. So this boat comes by and they're like, hey, man, hop in the boat. We'll protect you. We'll save you. And the guy's like, no, I know God's going to save me. God's going to protect me. Say, all right, whatever. 
So they leave, and then the, the keeps raining, the waters rise up, and then now the guy's sitting on the roof of his house, and, and the water's that high. A helicopter comes, and they're like, they drop a rope, and they're like, hey, man, get on the rope. Here, cl- climb up. We'll save you. We'll help you. And the guy says, nope. My God promised me he's going to protect me. He's going to take care of me. I know he will. So as you can imagine, the water rises. The guy drowns and dies. He goes to heaven. And first thing he says to God, he's not like, you know, thank you for salvation or for saving. You know, what does he say? First thing he says is, God, I thought you were going to save me. What, what are you doing here? Why did you let me drown? And God's like, well, I sent a car. I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. Like, dude, what else do you want me to do? Right? Like, God often gives us opportunities to make a move, to work hard or make a wise choice that will get us out of the valley. But we've got to be able to discern what is from God and what's not from God. In the valleys, we can't cut corners or make unwise decisions or take unnecessary risks just because we're scared and need to get out of the valley, right? And you might say, well, I had no choice. I had to, I had to do it. I had to protect my family. I had to. No, no, you didn't. You didn't. You, you can trust God to be faithful and not take it into our own hands. And a lot of times when we face situations we've never been in before, we're tempted to take it on ourselves and think this is up to me. And, and first off, when you do that, you're taking away from the truth that our dependence is on God, right? And, and, and what it does is you make that man-centered dependence, and what you're revealing is that maybe your faith has never really been in God, but it's always been in you. And secondly, what happens is you're no longer trusting in God's wisdom, but in your wisdom, which causes us to make sometimes some pretty dumb decisions. And so to stay away from that, We have to keep ourselves connected to God and the voice of his Holy Spirit. David has this close relationship with God, and because he has a close walk with God, he's able to discern, like, hey, God doesn't want me to hurt Saul here. Like, that goes against his will. That's wrong. And as we walk in the valleys of life, we've got to stay connected to God and listen to the Holy Spirit's guidance so we can discern how God's leading us through the valley. We've got to stay in Scripture right? There's, there's a great app you can download. Um, uh, it's called Dwell. I've been, I use it I, every morning when I get in the shower. I turn it on and just read scripture, and I just put it on the shelf and just listen to scripture there. And like, if nothing else, it's a way to get in scripture, right? It's easy, right? It's so worth it, right? You can listen to good podcasts that encourage you. You can read some good books, right? We've all got extra time on our hands. Um, and one of the most important things you can do is spend time praying and listening to God, right? Because in the valley, we've got to stay close to God's voice. So when we can't see, we can hear, and we know where to go, okay? In the valley, we display our trust in God as we wait well. In the valley, we display our trust in God by not forcing our hand or forcing our way, but trusting in His answers and His timing. And third, and finally, We display our trust in God and even really stay connected to God by worshiping him in the valley. Let me show you actually another psalm that David wrote again while he's on the run from Saul. It's Psalm 57. I'm going to start in verse 4. He says, I'm surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. God be exalted, though, above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. They prepared a net for my steps, and I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. 
My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up at the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for you, for your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Did you, did you catch what David just did right there? Again, in this theme here, he's honest with God. He says, God, I need you. I'm surrounded by my enemies. I feel like I'm in this hopeless situation. But then he's not just honest to God. He's honest with himself about God. He speaks truth about God to remind himself who God is in this situation. And what happens is as he's speaking truth about God, that begins to flow into worship of God, right? Wake up, wake up, my soul. I will wake up at the dawn. I will praise you, Lord. I will sing praises. Wake up, I will praise you, right? Why does this happen? Because regardless of our situation, God is still God. He's the same God when things are going well for us as he is when they aren't. He hasn't changed. Our circumstances have changed, but he hasn't changed. And as David speaks these truths to himself in the waiting and in the valley, it wakes up his soul. It stirs up his soul and it causes his heart to worship. And as we worship our God in the valley, it shows that we trust him. But oddly enough, it does this thing where it also helps us to trust him. You know why? Because in worship, we experience him. In worship, we sit in his presence. In worship, we're reminded of who he is. (laughs) And as we worship in the valley, it reveals to us that our faith, our love, and our trust in God isn't based on our circumstances around us, but in him. That our confidence is in something bigger than our circumstances. And as we do that, man, it comforts our soul. And it reminds us that our God is bigger than the valley and that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God who is faithful and gracious and good to you and generous to you. And it helps us to live our lives through this long-term eternal lens versus a finite lens that can only see my hand in front of my face. You know, River Church, in the valley, let us be like David. Let us ask the hard why questions. Let us be honest with God about our pain and our frustration and our fear. But let us also display our trust and our faith in our God. As we walk through the valleys of life, let us wait well on the Lord. Let us trust in his timing and faithfulness, not trying to force our own way or force his hand, And as we wait, let us be a people that worship our God because on the mountaintop, he is good and worthy of all of our praise and adoration. And in the valley, he is good and worthy of all of our praise and adoration. River Church, if you know the story of David, you know it doesn't end in that cave, does it? He waits on the Lord and eventually David becomes king of Israel the right way. God displays his faithfulness and goodness to David. And even in times when David wasn't faithful to God, 
David becomes the greatest king Israel will ever have outside of Jesus. And I want you to hear this because I think this is important. I believe a lot of what he became was forged in that valley because he is willing to trust God, wait well, not force his way, and worship in the valley. I think who he was in many ways was forged there. And you're being forged right now. You're being refined right now. So River Church, trust God in the valley today and let that trust be displayed in the way that we live our lives. If there's anything I can do for you, or maybe you'd like for us to be praying for you, please fill out that digital communication card. Remember, those come right to me. I'm the, I'm the only one that sees those things. And if you don't know this God we're talking about who's faithful in the valley, listen, I would love to talk to you about that. So fill out that communication card. It'll come right to me. I can reach out to you or however you would want me to to do that. I would love to talk to you and help you know, find, experience that God that we're talking about today, all right? Uh, Please do that for us. If if you don't know him, do it today, man. What an awesome day it could be. Uh, River Church, don't forget about all of our great resources for kids, our online blog, and where you can even worship online through tithes and offering. All those things are found on our website, theriverdfw.com. River Church, I love you, and I will see you soon. Got him! All right. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>